For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey, y'all. This is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoy today's episode. What's up, everyone? We are back with episode 173 of Half Street High Heat. I am Nick. You can follow me on Twitter at Nationals Ace. And I am joined by my longtime co-host, but it's been a long time since I've gotten to speak with her. (laughs) Amanda, you can follow her on Twitter at AWhite7877. Amanda, how are we doing? It's been a long time. How are your holidays? How was your vacation? It was all good. It was all good. We, uh, it's just been super busy, you know, with all these kids around the holidays, it gets a little bit nuts and we bought a you know, puppy. They figured out where kids come already. From. They did. They did figure <laughs> that out. That's exactly what my oldest son said to me when we told them. We That's why I make the joke. I make the joke every single time because of that. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, um, it was good. It was great. The holidays were good. Everything's kind of calming down a little bit now. Although my husband is out of town this week. So I've been doing the single parent thing, which sucks a lot. <laughs> Not enjoying yeah, I mean, getting in. You were outnumbered to begin activities. with, but. <laughs> yeah. Now the, yeah. The uh, inmates are running the asylum here this week. I think <laughs> safe to say. It's a good phrase. How about you? How were your holidays? Uh, I didn't do anything and it was fine, but it was glorious actually. (laughs) Yeah. Like I literally did. And when, when I say I didn't do anything, I, I, I quite literally mean that. Cause I mean, for Christmas, like Christmas Eve, my little cousin uh, got a positive COVID test. So that got shut down and it was just like, it's just whatever we literally didn't do anything for christmas didn't do anything a covid christmas new year's and really haven't done anything and it's been fine (laughs) yeah we uh my brother's kids and my kids were all sick on christmas so we decided to bag it and not get together with everyone um and then we got together with them on new year's day but my mom still came over on christmas and then we went to my brother's house on new year's day so we still had some family stuff going on but it was good it's i always feel like my house is it's like bursting filled to bursting with stuff after christmas though because by the time the stuff we get for the kids and santa brings for the kids and all the relatives bring for the kids it's like just piles of toys everywhere i'm ready to like wait for them to leave one day and then take it all and go to goodwill with it <laughs> and just get it all out of here but it's a good yeah. problem to have i suppose yeah, because then it snowed like 10 inches out of nowhere and then it froze. Yeah, it was and then 70 it degrees again, and then it and then snowed it froze 10 inches. Again. So, it's like- <laughs> so it's like all the boxes I have from like opening presents are still in my house. I, I just put them out on the curb today because recycling comes tomorrow, but like they were in my house forever. And piles like, of boxes. <laughs> I mean, because the, the uh, I kind of 
it's not a huge hill, but I live on a hill. There's no way that the garbage guy was coming through. There's just no way. Like the, the roads Steven were had them come for ever. They, they missed two days. So like the oh. Thursday, Monday. So, and then, so, and I think it snowed on a Monday. So it was like Monday, Thursday, Monday. It was just, you know, <laughs> it was so important question though. Have you taken down your Christmas decorations? No, but only because I've been too lazy. Yes, uh, but me too. Our, That's my our, exact our tree answer. is dead. Our, our, we had a live, live tree, um, and it is very much dead right now because uh, I haven't put water in it since Christmas. Um, <laughs> so it is dead. A dead tree is not as festive as a live tree. I mean, it, it's it's still there though, <laughs> but that will be coming down in the next couple of days. Now that you know, I'm able to walk outside. Uh, well we're supposed before. to get a bunch of snow on sunday so don't get too excited of course we are. yeah mine's a fake tree and it is also still up because i'm too lazy to take it down i had grand plans to do it this week but with scott out of town i just have like been treading water so i'm like we well, can do that this weekend i got a second hand fake tree a couple of years ago and mm-hmm. I- i've moved so much since then that it just got left behind one of those times I just didn't feel like like it. That's my problem with Christmas decorations. And it's why I'll always get a live tree. It's just like, I don't feel like storing so much shit for 11 months out of the year. Like mm-hmm. I just, because I, I will not wrong. I will be dead before I put up my Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving. I no, that'll never happen in my household. No, I'm an after Thanksgiving person for sure. Yeah. After Thanksgiving is fine. But even still, if you go after Thanksgiving to New Year's, I think that's an appropriate amount of time. That's still like a month, a month still and change. like five to six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're still storing it for 10 and a half months. It's just like, I'm not going to go. I'm never going to go crazy. But I think what I'm going to end up doing next year is become an inflatable person. So like get one big inflatable, mm. put it in the center of my yard. And then, hey, you know, Nick looks festive because he is a huge inflatable and then deflates goes down really small back in the box boom christmas over like but i don't think you have that's like christmas like don't you have like christmas ornaments and stuff that you have to put up year over year like we collect them everywhere we travel we, we used to try to buy like a, a painting or something like to remember our trips but stuff takes up too much room so we started picking up a christmas ornament everywhere we go so we have all we have like a huge box full of our ornaments that are just from our travels and then mm-hmm. there's like the stuff from when we were kids and the stuff that the kids make at school and just like you know, all of these different, we have boxes and boxes full of stuff. We have to store, even if we get a live tree. <laughs> See, like that would be fine. Um, trying to tread carefully here. Uh, my wife is very particular. Um, she, mm-hmm. she, you know, likes things to be matching and have a theme, but she might not necessarily like themes from year to year. So it's, it's, it's quite, I remember before I had a bunch of kids and I had to have like pretty themed trees. And then I gave up many years ago. Themes. It's like, like we're putting up our ornaments this year and she's like, I don't even know if I like these ornaments anymore. I'm like, are you kidding? We went through a whole thing last year, getting these ornaments. Like (laughs) you are wearing these ornaments for the next five years, at least. Oh, that's so funny. You're like, really? It's such a girl thing. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I saw this one, it was like on Reddit or Facebook or something. It's like someone got a, uh, like a a cutout of the cartoon Grinch and put it Uh in their yard. And then just one strand of lights going into his, like his bag, 
like he was taking and then the the string of lights went up to their like deck or whatever so it's like the grinch was taking off lights from the house oh that's so cute i I might i might steal that idea too because again it's like minimalist that doesn't take a lot of work but it's very christmas spirit so might steal that idea for next year too Mm -hmm. although come like minimum october i'm I'm not gonna remember so or i'm just not maybe maybe i'll remember yeah (laughs) if i remember i'll remind you but the odds are against us yeah exactly well for anyone odds being against us yeah let's talk about uh the one (laughs) thing you're talking about for anyone (laughs) listening uh you know very clearly you know the lockout is still going on in baseball which is why you know we can uh allot the opening part of our show of this episode to talk about Christmas decorations, even though uh, it's like been three weeks since Christmas. Um, But we also are are catching up. So screw you guys. We're going to talk about Christmas, Um, but not much news on the the lockout front. The uh, I guess it is it MLB. Is it the owners? Whatever. I'm just going to say the owners and the players association uh, are meeting tomorrow. Or if you're listening to this, they're meeting on Thursday. If you're listening to this on on release day, Uh, it's the first time they're meeting in over a month. (laughs) So they took the last meeting, I believe lasted seven minutes. So let's hope this one goes a little bit more. Yeah. So one should not, maybe no, not should one can hope that the owners are approaching the players with a more reasonable offer than they did last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, because again, it is supposed to be a core economic proposal. I read, right? So this is supposed to be the so no rule changes. Yeah, right. This is supposed no to rule be changes there. Yet. That can all be addressed later. Mm-hmm. Because the but, money is what everybody cares about, really. Yeah, money's and money and deadlines are, are what you know drive these things. Um, uh, man, what was I going to say? Oh, because again, it is the owners locking out the players. It is not the players on strike. So the owners are approaching the players with the offer. I would assume the players will counter offer. I, I don't think there's any reality where the players accept uh, this first proposal. Um, I just wonder how different it's going to be from the last proposal that led to the seven minute I meeting. don't imagine. Did we ever get details on what the first proposal was? Like We never did that I saw. And I've, pre- I've been kind of scouring, looking for news about the negotiations, but there's just been nothing for like a month. And, and what I did read about this thing for tomorrow, today, if you're listening to this on Thursday, is that it is supposed to be dealing with economic issues. And there, there have been, I guess, some small overtures from one side or the other talking about some kind of you know, fringe issues, but this one's supposed to deal with the core stuff, the money issues that are the real sticking points. So hopefully tomorrow they will um, make some headway. Hopefully the, the proposal will be a little bit more uh, palatable to the players association and the players association will come to it with, you know, an, an open mind for bargaining because we're, I mean, it's, it's the 12th of January as we're recording this. I mean, pitchers and catchers are supposed to be reporting pretty damn soon. Like they need to, they need to get this thing moving. Yeah. If I had to get, I mean, the season's going to get delayed. It's just a matter of how much, because even if this is, well, I guess if this is resolved by February, which there's no, there's no chance. There's no chance. Two weeks away. But if, even if it is resolved by February, that's very short notice. So I'd imagine they they would delay it some. It's just a matter of how much 
because they they want to try to avoid uh, what happened with the COVID. Uh, not it wasn't a lockout, but the COVID delay and just having to ramp up in a two week time frame, and then everyone getting hurt and everyone sucking. Like they want to try to keep it as normal as possible. And it also might be an opportunity for both sides to get a look at what a shortened season may look like. So maybe they go from 162 to 144 or 162 to 152, like whatever, whatever it may be. But I, I think that's probably in their plans as well, just to, you know, try to keep everything normal, but also test out a couple things here and there. So that, that would be my best guess, but obviously we will keep you guys, you know, up to date with the latest news and uh, hopefully we hear some concrete facts or you know strong reports tomorrow yeah. and it's not Either all behind some, closed doors yeah maybe some statements from one side or the other yeah would be great. One side or or the other. even just some leaks to some media would be welcome like anything give us something yeah uh, we're dying here we need some baseball news it's just it, it's seeing all granted like this time of year all three sports are, or three, all three other major sports are going on. And baseball's not like even if they weren't in a lockout, but baseball has literally just fallen off the map. Granted, there's a reason because nothing's going on, but like it's it's almost insane to to think about how nobody's talking about it right now. Like, yeah, there, I mean, there's nothing really even from successfully your baseball made themselves. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing to talk about. I mean, there really it's is just, and. I heard um, our pal, uh, Matt Wyrick, who was on um, one of the sports radio stations. Yeah, he was on 106.7 earlier. And I don't know if you heard the interview, Nick, but um, he it was just a quick, you know, few minute thing that he did. And he said that they're hearing nothing like they're really hearing no news at all on the lockout. And um, they asked him about Steven Strasburg's recovery. And he said it is crickets. Like none of the, even the guys who cover the team are getting any information about Strasburg, which I did think was interesting. He said that some of the, he's hearing rumors that some of the um, teams, you know, you can't talk directly to the players right now, are still kind of communicating with their players through independent trainers who are working with the players and talking to the teams. So I don't know if there's anything like that going on with Strauss, but it's interesting that nobody's hearing anything, even the guys who are very connected with the team. Right. Cause I mean, it, it's a lockout. So teams aren't necessarily in contact with, with their players. It's, it's just a very. Well, he generally uses bizarre. Nats park as his off season, like training, you know? So for him, I mean, yeah, I'm but, sure that's I mean, true of a lot of players, but for him with the injury he's been dealing with, plus not being able to, you know, be in his normal training environment. It's just a really, for, for a player who's so important to the franchise, it, it pisses me off to a huge extent that he's, we have absolutely no information and there's nothing going on between him and the team probably. Well, yeah, that's why we saw, you know, prior to 2020, granted, again, different circumstances, but a delay in the season nonetheless. We saw plenty of people who are undergoing rehab for major injuries go through insane setbacks um mm-hmm. uh so michael kopeck was the, the big one like it prolonged his rehab like another year and a half or something i think he's back now but uh that that was an insane one and there's you go, there's a laundry list of names that are just like they aren't able to 
you know, put the work in and rehab and work with the same people. And it's like kind of on their own, which these guys are professional. So they're more than capable of doing it. But at the same time, it's just like, if you, if you don't have to go into work, right. How much are you really going to work? And I feel like that that's definitely a problem certain teams are running into as well. Like how many of these players are really going to keep up with all of it again the way again, they would if they were right the they're, they're professionals yeah. so they should and this is their job and their livelihood but it i mean we all know there's a slight difference when you right. have there's to do human something nature right exactly and when you should do something like there yeah human nature yeah. does set in so i feel like that's probably a real problem they're running not that that's going on with Strauss. it's not what i'm alluding to whatsoever but uh, no. i feel like across the league like you're probably going to run he's just one guy but that hits close to home you know he's just one guy but when you have so much invested in these players and then the fact that the the owners are have instituted this lockout which was not necessary and didn't have to happen i i still hope everybody knows that like this isn't something that had to happen because the cba expired the owners chose to lock out the players and you've got guys like strauss but like lots of other guys around the league who are not, even if they're professionals and they're doing it on their own, they're not getting the best possible circumstances for their rehabs because of this lockout. And it makes me nuts. Yeah. So, but that's baseball, baby. <laughs> like that's the sport yeah. we all know and love. Unfortunately. We, you know who we know and Stockholm love the most syndrome. is Juan Soto. And there's a little bit of Soto related news. I wish it were about an extension, but it's not. <laughs> At least not yet. So baby brother Soto looks like he has agreed to be a national, which is cool, although ultimately not very impactful because he can't even sign until I guess the Nats had already. I apologize for the sound of my guinea pigs squeaking in the background there. Uh, I thought that was your dog. (laughs) No, well, he is whining in the other room because he can hear me talking and I'm not holding him. He is a brat. So anyway, um, so Soto had agreed apparently to a deal with the Mets. He posted, for those of you who don't know already, he had posted a video. This is Elian Soto, Juan Soto's little brother. He is just 16. Yep. And an intriguing prospect, although not a top tier prospect the way that uh, Juan was at his age. But he um, was supposed to sign with the Mets. I guess they had offered him a $50,000 signing bonus. And he posted a video last week or so all full out in Mets gear. And it looked like a done deal that he was going with the Mets. And then I don't know what happened if there was some falling out or if maybe, you know, Juan asked him to come join the nationals or the nationals made a better offer. Um, The rumor is their offer was better, but not significantly better. So anyway, he's decided to sign with the nationals, which is cool, but the nationals have already allocated all of their international signing pool money for this year. So he isn't able to actually sign anything until next international signing period, by which time the new CBA will be in place. And there may not even be an international signing period. It may become an international draft. So he may not wind up with the Nats after all, but still a fun story to watch the Mets get cucked and uh, cool for the Nats. If he winds up in our organization. Yeah. There was reports that, I mean, not that it's any surprise or, you know, a stretch, but that Juan really wanted his brother within the organization. The Nats have done it before for people that don't remember the, the Nats did sign Bryce's brother. And I believe they released him. Ryan shortly, Harper. Yeah. They, they released him shortly before Bryce left in free agency. Uh, Fun story. I have the, um, you know, how you can go to that place. That, I think it's on the top floor at Nats park, usually on the third or fourth level where you can buy like the, 
memorabilia oh, yes, stuff. The authentic, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I got one of the Brian Harper um like name tags from the dugout. <laughs> so That's pretty if funny. you're not paying attention, it just says Harper. If you just if you don't look at the number. <laughs> that would be cool funny. to find like the most random obscure player from Nats history that was also like one of your favorites and just you know go to that section because it's it, they are reasonably priced but it's like the most random players that were here for you know a cup of coffee oh yeah uh-huh it's fun though because they'll have like you know here's oh, this is. bat that was broken and used by this guy who was here for six games in 2012 right but it's authentic <laughs> so yeah it's um i'm sure juan had something to do with it uh it seems like he was he was pretty keen to have his brother be in the same organization but again it may ultimately come to nothing if there's a draft next year and that is um considered to be one of the um things that is under consideration in the new cba apparently the league very much wants to tighten up from what i've read the process which is very loosey-goosey with international signings Um, Some of these kids are making kind of informal handshake agreements with MLB teams as young as 14 years old, you know, long before they're actually eligible to sign. So MLB wants to kind of eliminate that sort of thing anyway and make a draft. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'd be all for a draft. Uh, Ryan talked about it earlier. Like there unfortunately is some predatory behavior, like, like you said, you know, teams doing these informal uh, handshake agreements and just being very aggressive and kind of sketchy shady. Cause obviously, you know, these kids, uh, they're, they're kids quite literally. So they might not right. know any better and then they get sucked into a deal that isn't good for them and all this stuff. So a draft would help in, in that regard. And even if it means losing Elion Soto, like I, I think it is the right thing for baseball and, you know, yeah. especially for, for I wouldn't be players. upset to see it. Right, exactly. Because we all but, know yeah. that the uh, the teams don't generally have all the the players' best interests at heart, especially not For international. Sure. You know, the the Latin American young guys, they're going to try to get them as, as cheap as they can, and sometimes sell them short. Yeah. That's for sure. But that's really all, you know, the news coming out of Nats camp is just them like, you know, yeah, Mats may have gotten Max, but uh, we cucked you <laughs> on uh, the better Soto. I'm just going to start calling him the better Soto. Mm-hmm. Uh, baby soda that, little soda yeah the better soda yeah we uh, may not even you, get him and you got max but we're gonna yeah we're gonna hang on to what we can he, exactly i'm still uh, not sure how i'm gonna react to seeing max and mets gear when it finally happens i'm like i'm, I'm bracing myself seeing it. i seriously this sounds so stupid but i literally didn't watch him pitch for the dodgers i listened to some of the games on the radio but i like would not watch max scherzer and dodgers gear I know that's stupid. I just wouldn't. I, do it. It, it is weird. Uh, I watched uh, a few. He's of my all-time favorite. Watching his three thousand strikeout and gains me. Oh, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I swear. I know it's crazy, but it's going to be very hard because I'm going to have to watch him play the Nats nineteen times a year. Yeah. Unless they uh, shorten the season, which maybe they will. I think that maybe I'll only have to watch it eighteen will. times. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Every little bit helps. So much but, better. You have an activity today, don't you? I do. So since there's so little to talk about, we have no actual baseball content to discuss. Um, I found an online survey that was being done just about um, kind of the lockout itself and what people think about it. So I thought it might be fun for us to just kind of go through it and answer the questions ourselves and talk about it a little bit. And then, of course, if you guys listening have any thoughts on the answers, feel free to tweet us 
at our individual accounts, which is at Nationals Ace and at A White 7877, or at the show account, which is at Half Street High Heat with an ST for street. All right, here's the first one. Who are you most upset with over MLB's lockout and ongoing labor strife? I know your answer. Owners, players, or both equally? Uh, I mean, it's, if I have to choose between those parameters, it's the owners most definitely, but it's specifically Rob Manfred. Uh, you know, you're entrusted with this responsibility and yeah, you technically work for the owners, but you have a game to uphold. And right. anytime you do something to this scale, locking out the players or, you know, um, hurting the, uh, uh, like the, the look, the marketing, the, you know, buzz, anything you're do, any detriment to that you know, falls on you. Like you, you can go blame whoever you want, but it ultimately falls on you. Listen, even if the players were being complete assholes and making all these unreasonable offers, it's still on you to get a deal done. Like it's still on you to, to find that common ground. You're the commissioner. That's like, this is part of your job. Like every commissioner in any like the sport biggest part is gonna, job. is gonna have to go through these labor agreement or mm-hmm. negotiations. Like it, it, it's what you have to do. And, you know, locking out the players is not a solution it's not even it shouldn't have even been a viable option like you've had years to go through this yeah that's the thing we've been talking on this podcast for three years about the obvious labor problems that are that are coming up everybody could see it coming how did you not do anything to prepare i don't know manfred is not good at his job and I, i would say for any commissioner of a sport you wear a million hats, but the most important one is labor peace. You must have labor peace because that's the best thing for your sport. And this is like the lockout was like dropping a bomb into the middle of the, the labor negotiations. You, And then they even made it worse with the crap they did on the website with like taking all the players pictures down and like you didn't have to do any of that. None yeah, of that was necessary. Petty. It is. Just it's petty and it, and it sours the negotiations and makes everything harder. I just don't understand it. Yeah, it, it makes no sense. And like you look around, like the NFL's last lockout was like 2012, and that was resolved by the season. They didn't miss any games. Like the draft was impacted mm-hmm. uh, because they couldn't trade players; they could only trade draft picks. So it was kind of a unique draft. But by the time the season rolled around, it was it was resolved. Um, the NBA's last lockout, I believe, was like 2011. Like it, it does happen. It's not entirely uncommon, but it shouldn't happen yeah if you have that's my whole thing is it shouldn't happen like and i it's and it takes everything and makes it harder that's what kills me i know this isn't exactly analogous but you know you always apply things to your own life and i you know i do negotiations all the time it's part of my job and i always tell both sides both my clients and the other agents i work with and everybody like we're all on the same side here are we're all trying to accomplish the same thing we just need to represent our own interests in trying to make that thing happen. But we're not adversaries, right? We're all on the same team trying to make the same thing happen. And if you go at it from that, if you go at it from that angle, everything is easier. You, you don't feel like you need to win necessarily. You feel like you need to, you need to come to terms. You know what I mean? And right. I feel and- like the way that the owners reacted, the way that they, they instituted the lockout and what they did with the website and just the way they've behaved has, has created more strife than was necessary. It was already a really thorny set of issues that needed yeah, to be dealt with, like, but yeah. they've 
They've made it worse instead of better. And I can't understand. These are professionals. These are people who do this for a living. Why? Why are you attempting to piss everyone off and make it harder? I just, I just will never understand it. Makes no sense. But what's next? Okay. Next one is, do you expect the lockout will cause spring training to be shortened or canceled? Uh, definitely not canceled. Uh, I would imagine shortened because spring training's effectively like a two month process, but by the time or from the time pitchers and catchers report to the last spring training game, it'll probably be closer to one month, but there will be a spring training. It might be uh, early. I think late spring training as for like, like April spring training, if it, the season gets delayed that much, or it'll be like early summer training if it really carries on but there will be some sort of preseason that's what that's what i was going to say too is i I agree with you completely that even if it delays the start of the season itself they're going to have to have some kind of spring training to get everybody ramped up so there will be a spring training but i do expect it will be shortened yep um do you expect the lockout will delay or shorten the regular season yes uh i talked about it earlier i think it's an opportunity for them to see what a shorter season would look like. And when I say shorter, I don't, I'm not saying they're going to go from 162 to 100 because uh, that would be insane. And the owners aren't going to want that because one, you know, they get direct revenue from these games, but revenue, two, right. the, the contract structure is based on a 162 game season. So they're not going to want that. The players obviously will, but the owners will. Yeah, if you can get that. paid so, the same amount to play two thirds as many games, why would they Right, want exactly. That? So I, I think what will ultimately happen. And honestly, the the players might not want that either because it's going to cap their earning power and whatnot. (laughs) But I I would imagine 154 is probably what they're looking at. Just like you you look at the baseball schedule, they go like weeks without off just one single off day. So it's like, if you can go from 162 to 154, that's eight games less and just eight more off days within the season. Like that's, that's going to go a long way for player health Mm -hmm. and recovery. And, won't impact the, you know, the, the grind that is the baseball season, as opposed to other sports all that much. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I'm going to read a list of issues that are um, kind of on the table for the CBA negotiation and tell me which ones you would most like to see addressed pace of play, the DH minor league pay and living conditions, service time manipulation, years until free agency, tanking, broadcast blackouts, automatic ball strike system, you know, robot ums, and revenue share. What was the one after tanking? Uh, broadcast blackouts. Okay. Blackouts. You know, that's my hobby horse. I got to put that one on my list. Robo ums. And what was the last one? Revenue sharing. Um, so just looking at this, like, I, I, I'm you know, your hot your your thing is the blackouts. Obviously, that's a, a major issue. My thing is always in the universal DH, but like on the grand scheme of things, the universal DH is something I could do without for the in the time being. But it's also something that could be added like that, like without really much that goes. It doesn't into even really it. Like, need to be. Yeah, they could just right, do like that. The revenue wanted. sharing and like the blackouts, like that stuff's mm-hmm. gonna take a lot more to you know even change, not even resolve, but just slightly change than adding a rule would be. So blackouts is my number one revenue sharing. Like I I'm not, you know, there's people smarter than me and get paid more than me to figure out revenue sharing. Like it, it, but you know, from a fan perspective, it makes sense that, you know, a team like the Royals, like a small 
Midwest team that's never going to draw any, you know, real free agent consideration gets help by via revenue sharing from like the the LA's, the New York's, the mm-hmm. the, the Chicago's. Chicago's. Like it, it, that makes sense to me. Is it currently a perfect system? Probably not. It's freaking baseball after all. Like it has to happen, but I don't think it's happening but, as well as it could. Yeah, I, I don't imagine that's probably it. For me, it's blackouts and it's, you know, kind of a combination of the minor leaguers for sure. It seems like they're kind of on the path to resolving that service time and, uh, you know, year arbitration years till free agency. That's something that's kind of seen hand in hand. Yeah, that, that needs to be addressed. Like, you know, the, the owners obviously aren't going to want that. They're going to want, you know, you as cheap for as long as possible. But a lot of these guys are, you know, Trey Turner's almost a perfect example. Like he's under arbitration till he's 30. And then guess what? By the time he hits free agency, he's going to age 31 season. Teams don't want to pay him because he's over 30. Like it's, he's kind of screwed. Will Trey Turner get paid? Mm-hmm. Yes. But like, it, it's it, not it's, like he would if he were 27. Right. And like Carlos Correa is like, I think he is 27. So, you know, he's in a much better spot than Trey Turner, but both of them are arguably top, five top three at their position so it's like why is Correa gonna be in a way better spot than Trey Turner like that that's not entirely fair so I, I do think you know that needs to be addressed um I don't have an answer for you and like uh like a solution for you or a proposal but it does need to be addressed because you know these players are kind of like under contract for their teams for like 10 years I mean, Brady House, right, is 17, and mm. he probably won't reach the majors till 22 if we're being generous or optimistic. And, like, so, you know, the Nats need to get something from that, like, from age 22 on. But at the same time, should Brady House really be a Nat till he's 30? No. So, like, I feel like maybe just a, a, a an age right? Your 27th birthday, you, you know, going into your age 20 season, you hit free. I, I don't know. Like, again, I don't have a, a perfect proposal, but something needs to be worked out there. It, it's kind of crazy that the owners are like, oh no, we own you for this long. And then once you're, we don't own you anymore, we're not going to pay you because you're too old. Like it just, it, there's very clearly you know, it, law there. There has to be something addressed. Like you said, there's smarter people than, than either of us who are more well-versed in all of that, but that is definitely something that I'd like to see. But if I had to pick one or two off of this list, definitely the blackouts, because I think that's something that's so harmful to the sport. It's just, it, that's one of those things that just makes no sense. You're limiting who can consume your product. And maybe that made sense once, but there's absolutely no logical argument for how it makes sense today in a streaming world to black people out, especially people in areas where there's zero chance they're ever going to go to your stadium. You're just limiting your fan base and in the, in a sport where the fan base has been shrinking and getting older and you're missing those eyeballs you need from younger people, not making it available where younger people are watching is just, it's suicide for the sport. You have to address it. Yeah. What else? Okay. Next one is, so tanking was one of the things on that list that we didn't really talk about, but this next one is about tanking. Which of these changes would you most like to see MLB adopt to address tanking? Institute a draft lottery, reverse draft order for non-playoff teams, 
prevent teams from picking top five in consecutive drafts and set a salary floor. The, the only one that's going to work is salary floor because mm-hmm. for baseball, it's not even about the draft. No one cares if you have the number one pick in the draft. If you have the number one pick in the draft, it doesn't mean shit for your future outlook. It, it just doesn't. Right. You need so much more than just one like superstar player, even if they are a superstar. But even if you to, get to them, be it's three effective. years till you're going to see them anyway. At, at the best. minimum. So right. teams do not care about early draft picks like it's a factor for sure but you know there's still a long negotiation player a process to even sign them and then you mm-hmm. see teams let those players go because they don't feel like paying them it comes down to money you have to encourage teams to, to spend money like you know we just talked about revenue sharing the smaller market teams are you know getting a chunk of the pie and then not reallocating it they're just right. they're not it. contributing to the pie they're just right like they, they're just yeah. they're they're a siphon like they're a leech and it's just like you you have to implement something to in, not encourage them to spend but like force them to spend because if you leave it up to them they will not do it they've shown that they will not do it they will prioritize prioritize like saving an extra buck over like making a competitive product on the field. And it's not just one or two teams. It's like half the league, maybe a third of the league, but like it's a large chunk of the the league. And it makes the the product almost like unwatchable at times. Cause it's just like, Mm -hmm. you, you know, you know what it's going to be like at the end, like there might be that one surprise playoff team, but it's not going to be anything worthwhile. And, you know, you're, if you're a fan of those small teams, like, yeah, you might have lightning in the bottle where, you know, a lot of your, or like a good core group of your prospects all reach maturity at the same time. And, you know, you can kind of ride that and supplement, you know, a couple of free agent signings, but they're all just going to walk in free agency. So it's not like sustained at all for any long period of time. It's just, and speaking of the Royals, yeah, it's just, it's stupid. Like, so the dra- doing anything to the draft isn't going to change anything. Salary floor is the only thing that will do it, but that probably means a salary cap as well, which the players well, don't that's want. That's the next question, which is, so, would you be in favor of a salary cap system with a cap and a floor? Uh, I mean, it helps the parity in the league it's tough. Cause like I, I, you know, I'm very clearly pro player. I want players to get paid and the salary cap will hinder that. It will, but I got to tell you, I have thought about this issue a lot and I think I would be in favor. I would like the salary cap to be high because I think these players, as long as it's high enough, then yes. Yeah. But they, you can't truly have a floor without a cap. It doesn't make sense. Right. right. So, but, you know, I, I, th- I would rather see a cap, than to see the teams that refuse to compete. Like if yeah, you give can me force like a all the 60, teams to compete. Right, I'll yeah. take a $60 million floor because that's more than double what some teams' current payrolls are. Yeah. Um, so I will take like a $60 million floor and give me like a 210 salary cap. Yeah, I'd even go a little more. I might go like 75, I mean, 215, yeah, I want more, 220 but or something like, like that. Yeah, you know, it, the, and I the think then you just tell these through. you tell these these owners if you're not willing to spend that much, given the amount of money this league makes and what your revenue sharing is, but if again, you're not willing like, to spend seventy five million dollars. You, you can't look be who's the in owner, charge. You know? Rob Manfred's not saying that shit to the owners. Like, it's true. It's true. If if we ruled the world, Nick. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Okay, how many teams should make the playoffs? 10, 14, or sixteen? So ten's what we have now. Fourteen 
less or 16, like it was in 2020, 14 is, you know, in between, or even 12, I would say. Uh, 12 is my sweet spot. Uh, I like 12. I would accept 14. Cause yeah, 16 uh, was think, too much for me. I think, you know, taking it back to our, you know, spending, like encouraging teams to spend, if you're more like if you have a better chance to make the playoffs, you might, you might be encouraged to spend. Cause right now it's five and you know, typically four of those are pretty locked up early on. So it's right. like, you know, 10 teams competing for one spot. And that's so why I, I could go for 14. I go Cause I feel like if you opened up four more spots, like that's super you know, super league. I think that's pretty enticing. I think Cause then you get cool. the Mariners and- making off season moves, which granted they are mm-hmm. already, you get uh, trying to think of more fringe teams all around. Like, yeah, it, it would open things up uh, uh, quite a bit. So I would go 14. I like Plus it's exciting I, I for the 12 or 14 too. would be good for me. It is. And for, you know, for people whose teams maybe wouldn't be a playoff team and maybe they are, it keeps you engaged. Even in the regular season, it keeps you engaged down the stretch. Even if they don't make a deep run, you still get that thrill of playoff baseball. I, I think there's, I, I think it makes sense for them to expand the playoffs and, and bring that. And I would also take, go back to my, um, my hobby horse about removing the blackouts too. like, let people watch, make it more exciting, bring in more teams to the playoffs, you know, make teams spend with a salary floor. These are all things I feel like would be so good for the sport. The salary floor is probably the least um, realistic. I think it, they will expand the playoffs because they got so much juice out of that when they did it in 2020. Mm-hmm. So there are some things they will do. The salary floor, I think without a cap is unworkable. And I don't think the players will agree to a cap. So that might be just dead on arrival. Yeah. yeah I'm kind of under the same, you know, mindset. Uh, I just, this is okay. all kind of probably a moot point because none of this is going to happen, yeah. but continue. None of this going to happen, but it's fun to think about, especially since there's nothing else going on. Okay. Yeah. This one's kind of fun. If you were MLB commissioner for a day, what one on field change would you implement? And why is it the DH? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, mine would be the DH, but if you want me to give a, a different answer, I, well, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to, I'm trying to give you a good answer. I initially, all right, I'll, I'll preface this uh, sh- like briefly, like I was previously in favor of just letting teams do whatever they want as far as like defensive arrangement, but now I kind of see the benefit of banning the shift. Mm, I, I that, think one's a, that one's a tough one for me. Cause I really can see, both I, sides I see it from that. both sides. Like you should be able to hit all parts uh, of the field. And like on defense, you should be able to strategize defensively. However you see fit, like, you know, if in football you wanted to align your whole defense to one side of the field, you should be allowed to. And then obviously the offense would just go to the other side of the field. And granted, it's not like uh, analogous, you know, exactly, but like, exactly. But it's, you know, uh, it it also like, it it would help the offense too. I'm like, I'm just kind of going through my brain. Like, how do I really feel about it? Uh, no, it's really one of those where a lot of times I have like a snap reaction to something like I, yeah. I hate this or I love this. This one does not, this one's tough for me. I really can't see both sides. Like lots of sports have offsides rules and have rules about where certain play, you know, certain members of a team can line up or be during certain plays. And so it's not like it's 
it's unprecedented to have a set of rules about where your players can be on the field. But in baseball, it's, you know, it's something, it's, it's a huge change. I mean, there's, you know, teams put so much into their scouting reports about what do we shift on this guy? Do we overshift on this guy? Do we play it straight? Right. Like each they, player, they should be able to be rewarded for that effort. Mm-hmm. But, but on the I, other I hand, hate, I hate the second baseman out in right field. It me drives me insane. So it's like, mm-hmm. I want to, I, I won't ban the shift, but I definitely want to limit it because some of these, like maybe everyone's in the dirt or within a certain amount, maybe there's like, like a certain, yeah, like a you, certain you, distance. You of add their, like of a, their... a white line behind the dirt, like within five feet. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, but the second baseman in right field really makes me angry. And I can't, yeah, no, it's like, it's so that. I can't stand it. And if what they want, and we know what the league wants is to increase offense. So if you want to increase offense, you know, screwing around with the shift is a way to do it. Yeah. So th- that was my initial thought. Um, man, on field change. I, I would also do. I don't know if this is technically on-field change, but like increased replay, incre- like coaches' challenges, you know, mm. have I it's would, not. Tech- I would call that an on-field. So which one? You have to pick one. What's your one? All right. Well, then, then on-field change because I can't I can't decide what side of the fence I'm on for the shift. So I'll, I'll do the the replay stuff. So I think what granted the NFL is not exactly the the um, model you want to use for replay and stuff, but <laughs> no, what, they are not. something new the NFL has done this year is like the on-field officials. If there's like a, a bang, bang play that you, you couldn't see real time, but it's very obvious on replay, the white cap, which is the head official will get radioed in from, you know, headquarters and be like, Oh yeah, this is very clearly this. And then the rest will make the adjustment without the coaches asking them to. So yeah, it, it's like just that. like, I wish, or, you know, I envision it being the home plate umpire, like a safe out call, right? If it's bang, bang, then, you know, they get it wrong, but you they can get it wrong, but like they can also ask or like a fair foul might be a better example. Like the uh, headquarters, the caucus, wherever it is, can just radio into the home plate umpire be like, yeah, that, that that's a foul ball. You're good. And they can just proceed as normal. So like, just that would speed up the game, but also, you know, kind of give, uh, put the umpires in a little bit better graces for the fans. Like they are trying yeah, to, because you can't expect them to get it right all the time. But what, what's really irritating as a fan is when it's obvious that now that you have replay, if you're going to show the fans that they got it wrong, you need to give them the opportunity to make it right. Right. And that's the thing, you just, just, you know, this day and age, everything's so accessible and, and you know, rewind, highlights uh recaps you know everything's yeah, on everything you know the uh uh what's the word i'm looking for the archive on mlb tv like you can go look at anything real time or not real time but like yourself after the fact yeah pretty much immediately with that available. increased accessibility use that technology to your advantage don't shy away from it that that's always yeah. just if, been my mind. That's always been my thing. You don't bring replay into the game and then not use it to get the damn calls right. Like if you're gonna have replay, get it right. If you're if you don't want if you don't care about getting it right and you just want the old school whatever the umpire says goes, then don't have replay. Yeah. Let it be the way it was before replay. You just you can't do both. 
All right. That's a good one. So my one, I would ban the DH in both leagues forever in perpetuity, never to be seen again. That would be my one on-field change <laughs> if I were commissioner for a day. Well, that's why my you'll never be commissioner. <laughs> it's one of many, many reasons why I'll never be commissioner. All right. What's the ideal number of games in a season? About 100, about 120, about 140, 154, or 162? Uh, mine's 154 because I, I, well, like my ideal one is probably 140, but I think the good compromise is 154 because it's not too drastic of a change on either side. And mm-hmm. for the reasons I outlined, like the contracts and, you know, the owners wanting that extra revenue because eight games could be, I don't know what the owners make. I mean, say they make, well, I, I don't want to be way off, but say they make like a hundred grand per game. It's like eight games is close to a million dollars. Like they might not want to forfeit that, but in the grand scheme of things, like it's not 20 games or 25 games. Like, right. So I think, I think you, made, you nailed it, it with saying it's not too drastic of a change. Yeah. And so I, I would say if they're going to do it, 154 would be my preference. If they took it to 140, I wouldn't absolutely hate it. Anything less than that. I feel like you're, it's, it doesn't feel like baseball anymore. I think you gotta. Yeah. Like I, right. I like the idea of less games just because you get like, it's the football effect. You have less games, you have more eyes on those games, but granted baseball is very different and you're able to play baseball more often than football. Um, but you know, I do agree that there's something to the grind of a baseball season. That's what really sets baseball apart. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think one there's a thing about football. That's like the any given Sunday thing, like any team can win on any particular day. And that's true in baseball too, but with such a long season, the cream rises to the top. You really do get the best teams in the end. And I think that's true of the seven game series that you see late in the playoffs too. Like the best team wins in seven games. Do you know what I mean? That, that it's, it's part of the charm of baseball that I, I wouldn't want to see unless lost. the Braves win and in that which case the best team does not win in which case expletive <laughs> anyway <laughs> all right these two are easy uh universal DH yay or nay I think we all know where we stand on that <laughs> um are you in favor of a pitch clock no I think it's stupid like yeah me too I hate the pitch clock pace of play okay. in general is not an issue like it Pacing in general is not an issue if there's action. So it's like if you want to juice the baseballs, if you want to lower the mound, ban the you, shift, for instance, if you yep. want to ban the shift, like all of that's going to uh, contribute to, uh, you know, increased offense and help the, you know, the time go by. Basically, like pacing is not an issue as long as there's something. Right. Nobody minds on. a four hour game if it's fun. Like nobody, nobody complains about the length of an, of an NHL game or I mean an NFL game. NHL yeah. games are short, but, but NFL that's... games like people don't complain because they're they're exciting. Right. And so like, I don't necessarily exciting, no love the three batter minimum rule, but I get why it's a thing, because those pitching changes, like especially. All right. One pitch, one batter, you're done. Like that that's just it's annoying but you know it is annoying but i don't think it's aspect, that frequent that it's that no big. i agree i, but I I'm hate saying, the I three batter minimum i rule. see why they were trying to target that specifically but like pitch clock like that's stupid i, I just yeah I, I think that's so stupid like batters are allowed to literally step out as much as they want why should a pitcher not that be would be a off? thing that would if you're really concerned about pace of play don't let the batter step out of the box make them get in the box like you you take you make your pitch you get back in the box there's no readjusting your gloves and messing with your hat 
and walking around and taking a couple of practice swings, like get in the box. That would, that would make the pace of play a lot better. Yeah. Uh, but I, I see why they want to do it, but ultimately that's not the issue. Like if a game lasts a long time, it's probably because there's like a ton of walks or whatever. Like, so maybe you just want to expand the, I, I, I don't know. Expanding the strike zone probably is too drastic, but you know, there, there's a reason those games go long. It's not like every game goes long. Right. Okay. Strike zone's the next question. So that was a good segue. Are you in favor of the robo umps? I am not. Uh, I think I've said this on the, I like the human element of refs. The like one thing all sports fans can agree on, no matter if your, your race, your background, your socioeconomic status, you, what team you like, everyone hates the refs. Refs are there to be hated. It is fun. And I think if you remove that, then it's just like, you know, where are we directing that? Like, where's my outlet now? And I, that the human element is just a part of it. And it's just, it's also like, you're not going to have robo umps in college. You're not going to have robo umps in high school. So like, I doubt you would have robo umps in like minor league stadium. So it's just like, I, I, I don't know. I don't like it. I think it's stupid. And plus what I'm going to look, if it's, you know, bottom of the ninth, two outs, you know, two strike count, I have to look at a, what, a, a damn green light to see if it was a punch out or not. No, I want the absolute drama of like the umpire punching someone out, whether it's good or bad. Like, you know, it, it just feels like almost anticlimactic in, in that regard too. I totally get what you're saying. And I, I love the, the drama of the punch outs too, especially when an ump has a good strike call and a good punch out. But I tell you, I have watched too many blown calls. Like when you have the technology, you use it. It's just like we were saying with the replay to me, it's time. Maybe you still have your ump back there for safe and out at the home plate. You know, maybe he still calls the strikes. So you still get that drama, but he's getting it in his ear. Like, I don't know how they can do it to kind of keep the feel of it, but it, there's too many blown calls. There's too many. And I think, you know, I'm usually the Luddite of our group and I hate things to change, but I'm ready for, I'm ready for the automated. It wouldn't system. speed up the game, but the other alternative you could do is make balls and strikes challengeable and you only get a certain amount like that falls. If you get, what is it? Two coaches challenges a game, bump that up to three. You get three challenges a game, but challenging a ball or a strike goes towards your challenges. If you win it, yeah, I hear that. But again, to me, it's just I'm just like get it right. If what if the ump blows five calls that night? You know what I mean? What if what if they blow a bad one in the sixth, and then they blow another bad one in the ninth when the game's on the line? You know what I mean? At the same time, there it's not like they. Not that I'm trying to defend the umpires here, but just for the sake of the argument, it's not like they can have the exact same strikes on because it's one the pitching's never been better it's never been faster there's never been more movement it's hard <laughs> like you know professional hitters who have to study pitching for a living can't pick up some of these pitches how is an umpire gonna do it no so i agree like, with you that's making my it, point it's hard why so that's it's why time. i feel like you know let the umpires call their games and if they're really that bad you have the challenges and if guess what if you're right you get that challenge back like everyone sees the you know the the cut out strike zone where they shift to the side and show you how much of the zone the ball clipped right like you know so do that for a coach's challenge and this will never happen but i'm just trying to think of a medium because i i don't want robo ups like i i think it i think it's stupid i think it takes away from the game 
bad officiating is just part of sports. And yes, I hate it. Like I wish every game is officiated perfectly, but it's, it, it's not. And unfortunately, like that's just the way it goes. But I don't think robo umps would be the solution either. Like it's not like you see the clips right now where uh, I think curveballs are like the perfect example where it's like a late breaking curveball. It crosses the plate at like your sh- um, your shoulders and, and drops to the last second. But that's a strike, you know, for robo umps. Like it, robo umps are very much not a perfect system either. No, and they're not. And I don't this expect is the lesser that of the even two if. Evils. Yeah. If they implement robo-ums, I think it's probably at least still five years away. Like, there's a lot of work to do. I don't think they ever I think do. it's going to happen eventually. The Empires, I do. The Empires Association won't do that. I don't think there's any way they do that. I guess we'll see. I think it'll happen eventually. All right, next one. How should MLB handle sticky stuff enforcement this coming year? Um, approve mm-hmm. a substance for pitchers to use. Ooh, okay. Umpires check only if they're asked like they used to continue with the regular automatic umpire checks or create a tackier baseball? Uh, do not protect the baseball because that doesn't really solve anything because pitchers are princesses, as I've stated on the show before. They like their balls a certain way, and they should be allowed to have their um, equipment. The, the amount they want, they want right. or don't want. Yeah. Hitters can use as much pine tar or as little pine tar as they want, as much rosin or as little rosin as they want. And, you know, they have batting gloves. They have all this stuff at their disposal. Pitchers should too. If you want to ban spider tack, that's fine. But yeah, like a pre-approved sub- substance, whether it's mm-hmm. pine tar, whether it's some sort of concoction that the MLB makes up, that's a combination of, of rosin. I've said it on the show before. When I pitch, I use sunscreen and rosin. Like it's very effective and, you know, I can just kind of control how sticky it gets or how like, you know, what the, uh, the feel and the grip is and whatnot, but doing a pre-tacked baseball, it's, it's not going to be tacked evenly. And then it's going to wear in different places. Granted, like you can, you know, switch out baseballs all the live long day, but it's just pre-tacking the baseballs just doesn't seem necessary. And there's already, you know, to, to, Go off on a quick tangent. There's already a trust issue <laughs> regarding the baseballs in MLB, the ones they're mm-hmm. using that are not pre-tacked. So I don't know that I necessarily trust them to pre-tack them. So give me just an approved substance. If a pitcher wants to drench it in that substance, they're allowed to because it's the MLB approved substance. If you want to ban spider tack, that's fine, but give them something. Don't make them gold, go cold turkey. And also th- these umpire checks, they're stupid too. That's what's slowing down the game. So just let right. the pitchers use so, some sort of substance. They always contradict themselves. Like you're so you're so concerned about pace of play, but then you have all these umpire checks or you have, you know, the, the five minute long replay stuff going on. It's just, yeah, it's all very counterproductive in my mind. Okay. Which of these recent MLB rule changes would you like to see stay in the game? I'm going to read you a list. Extra innings, runner on second rule, seven inning double headers, three batter minimum, limiting mound visits, or restricting late season roster expansion. Don't restrict roster expansion. I That's one of I the rules like that I actually one. like. Um, the three better minimum, like I, I'm fine either way. Like it, it's not a perfect strategy, but yeah, I'm trying to think. Cause like f- any other sport you can sub however much you want. So you should be able to with baseball, but at the same time, like it, it's not like when you sub, 
like if you sub in hockey, you are immediately thrown into the action. Same thing with basketball, same thing with football, like you're running that play. So it's Mm -hmm. a little bit different with baseball. Like you do need to have that time to warm up and get on the same page with the catcher, talk over the game plan, uh, like amongst yourself and your battery mate, but also, you know, with the hitters coming up and the guys on base and the situation, like you need to have time to talk about that. So I'm fine either way. Um, what was it? Three batter minimum. Three batter minimum. I'm fine with. Uh, I don't like. I don't like that one. Like I'm fine either way. Do whatever you want. Um, seven inning double headers. Oh, seven inning double. No, seven inning double headers suck. Give me regular. They suck the most. Regular game. Yeah, I just so, want nine inning games. Yeah, and then the so, ghost runner was the other one. I'm fine with the ghost runner. I just wish it started later. Like yeah, I, see, I'd I'm be okay like in the twelfth. Yeah, I'd if it starts at 11th or 12th, I think that like it, it's effectively like college playoff rule or college football rules specifically. Can't talk right now. Um, I, I'm fine with it. Like if the game's just going on and on and on, like that's going to be beneficial because it's going to save people pitchers and save and, arms, yeah. but also just finally reach a point in the end. Now in the playoffs, I don't think you should have a ghost runner. No, I think not at all. I wouldn't screw around like normal. that in the playoffs at all. Right. But, but I think if you had season, two I innings, I would like two innings. Not if you get the 10th That's and fine. 11th and you can't score, then in the 12th, you get the ghost runner. I'd be okay with that. That's but fine. I don't if like it's 11th it or 12th. In the, in the 10th. I, I would assume they probably go to the 11th because you've already played nine. And if you're still tied after 10, all right, then let's just get the show on the road. Um, but I mean, I, I think it, I, like, I think it works. I don't have the numbers in front of me but i think their goal was pretty effective with the ghost runner like i don't remember that many long games going on usually there it is resolved after the 10th maybe the 11th but you haven't seen those crazy long games since the ghost runner has been implemented so it does work oh it does work i would say it um that's my favorite of the four that you proposed not that any of the four were typically like all that great, but. All right. We're getting close to the end here. This one I really like. Are you in favor of MLB expanding beyond 30 teams? Yes. hundred uh, percent. Give me two more teams. Any more than that? Like it, you kind of get into uncharted territory. Cause I think NBA has 30 NHL now has 32 NFL has 32. Um, so I think 32 is where you want to be at right yeah, now I would love if you were to, to expand if you go beyond that and they want like if they announce an expansion it's only going to be two teams at least at first like and i've talked about i think i talked about this the last time we recorded but follow the nfl's lead if the nfl expands watch how they do it and then yeah they're much better at this than you <laughs> but yeah no I, i'm dead serious like i know and it, I'm hockey hockey and basketball should follow their lead too like the nfl is king but the nfl has 32 teams so you can you can expand to 32 I mean, you have hockey's um you know recent blueprint on how to do it you know over a four-year span or whatever so that way you're not completely crippling the teams you know through expansion drafts um but yes they should Give me Vegas. Vegas just makes too much sense with now the uh, Golden Knights and the Raiders there. Uh, mm-hmm. Makes too much sense to add baseball Well, that's there. the next question. So hold okay, on a second. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. I'm going to give you a list of cities. You can choose up to two if you're going to have two expansion teams. Portland, Nashville, Las Vegas, Charlotte, Montreal, 
Vancouver? Uh, so I know there's going to be some people that are pro Montreal. Montreal stinks. Like there's, there's a reason they lost their franchise. Like when's the last time a, you know, take the Nats out of it. Like when's the last time a franchise relocated? Like there, there's a reason Montreal lost their franchise. Like it just was not financially doable. Like the city literally lost the franchise. The now and now you get the Rays. The Rays are apparently going to split their time between Tampa and Montreal, which is also it's stupid. So like if it's weird. that bad, the Rays need to relocate and right. go to a city that's more viable. Like and it, maybe not so, to a city that already lost their franchise because they couldn't support a baseball team. I don't know. <laughs> right, like Montreal. Like I get there's people that are going to advocate for that. It, no. Like it, it, now, see, I would no... like Vancouver because I would like to see another team in Canada. I think it would be cool. And Toronto's already in Eastern Canada. And I think having a team in Western Canada would be cool and could maybe, you know, expand the fan base, get more baseball fans. And, you know, Canada is great about their sports. When they embrace a sport or a team, the, they're, I mean, the, they're the passionate Blue Jays sports are fans. Beloved up there. Right. Um, they are. And I think that you would, I think you would have a devoted fan base in yeah, Vancouver. So- of the Canadian cities that would be potential options, Vancouver would have been my number one, but it's not even my top five for these cities just because there's so many other cities right now that I think would be better for baseball. And baseball is so regional already mm-hmm. that putting a team in Canada, you're just kind of dooming them. And that's no shot yeah, against Canada. That, that part it's, of it's the Canada sport of baseball. Has a huge, yeah, that's one of the biggest population centers, though, in Canada. And I think you would get some. I mean, obviously, that's Mariners country up there now. Like all the all the fans up there are Mariners fans. But um, I, I don't know. I like the idea of expanding the game. They're always talking about trying to go international and and pick up international fans. And I think Canada is an excellent place. It would be on my list of places if they were gonna. Expand. It's on the list, and but also, it's not at the top for me. Like. Uh, Vegas, I just mentioned that, and Nashville. Vegas and one. Nashville, yeah, mine too. Nashville is a great sports. Team. I great love sports team. Nashville. I, I like. I don't know the food there is what to AL, die for. NL would be, but what if a team comes to Nashville, they're instantly going to become my like second team that I, I have a strong rooting interest. And hopefully they're an AL team. So it's like, oh, maybe my team's meeting the World Series. Granted, the Nats won't reach a World Series probably in my lifetime again, but like I can have that oh, AL team as well. So pessimistic. Let's be and, realistic. And for Come Monty's <laughs> sake, should we mention New Orleans for his New Orleans voodoo? <laughs> I, I like New Orleans. You would need a dome because it gets insanely hot there in the summer. And it I, rains I, I, a ton, too. I, yeah. But I think that New Orleans is so, it, it's really just the Saints. Like, because the Pelicans aren't all that, you know. Yeah. I don't think I would choose New Orleans. Um, I love New Orleans. I lived in New Orleans for a while. I absolutely love that city, but I don't think it's a good baseball city. Nashville, Charlotte would be my second one because I do think there's enough of a territory between like the Braves and the Nats. But so Nashville since, and Charlotte or Las Vegas and Charlotte? No, Las Vegas and Charlotte because you need one east, okay. one west. Um, but I also think because the Nats were the latest team to be added and that's kind of like the mid-Atlantic market that it's going to knock out Charlotte. I don't think they're going to come yeah. into the Nats. I think Nashville and Vancouver again. would be my two cities. Cause like you said, East and West, you I don't, get I don't one think in another country. I, I think if you're just looking at the Western half, like, cause again, I, I do think uh, a logical expansion would be East and West granted hockey did Vegas in Seattle. So maybe it, it, like it doesn't necessarily have to fall under East and West. Um, but I, Vegas is the number one 
like it's number one on MLB's list. Like Vegas is going to happen. And if Vegas doesn't happen, like I, I would have to imagine Portland's probably next. But see, I would go Vancouver rather than Portland. They're I'm fine with Vancouver. I'm just saying, other. like in, in the MLB's eyes, I would imagine they probably go uh, Vegas, Portland, and then maybe Vancouver. I'm trying to think of other Western cities. I like. I don't you think, think there's any chance they would expand into Mexico. I know you couldn't. That, that go would too be far. fun. Like, I, I, I would cool? honestly love that. I think. I think maybe Matt Weirich brought that up. Uh, on, on the show, It'd be I, awesome I, to have like a Mexico City or I even somewhere closer, that. like a border city. I would take that over Vegas, and I'm like a big proponent of baseball in Vegas because I, I think you kind of need that adversary to the LA market that you don't really have yeah. right now. Like San Fran, sort of, but it, it is an LA market in the West. So I think Vegas, you know, because they're glitz and glam, and you know, uh, Sin City, like all that, like. They, mm-hmm. they could, a team could really embrace that and challenge the Dodgers. Okay. I mean, I know the, Yankees that would be there. fun, but I love the idea of Mexico because I, you know, the MLB has talked a lot about how yeah, expanded yeah, nationally would, and Latin America is, yeah, it's such a huge baseball area. Right. And if you pick a city that wasn't too far, obviously travel's an issue. So you can't go to like London or somewhere where the travel's insane. But if you could go, like I said, Canada or Mexico, to me, that are close enough to the U.S. where you could travel fairly easily between, you know, for for games and series, I just love that idea. I think it would be huge. And I think it would be huge for, um, you know, Latin American players and fans to have a a, a franchise located in Latin America. Yeah, if you want to grow the game. I'm sure there would be plenty of players that would love that. Yeah, and a lot of players would love to play for a team in Mexico. I think that would be awesome. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, yeah. I think, I think that would be like sustainable. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Last one. We've seen MLB games played recently internationally and in Iowa cornfields. What outside the box location would you like to see an MLB game played? Cooperstown is the first one. Oh, that'd be um, awesome. I, I think just getting to honor those, like the, the legends, you could do it. When's the Hall of Fame induction? Sometime during the summer, I believe. So you could do it at the same time. Um, that's That'd be a fun. big one. Did, do I you like the one? idea of, yeah, I just kind of like the idea of colleges. I like the idea of them taking and bringing the MLB into college towns that maybe aren't necessarily, I would pick somewhere maybe. You could do Omaha. Hasn't, yeah, someplace that doesn't have a, a baseball team nearby, I think would be really cool to bring the game to people who don't normally have the opportunity to see a major league game. Um, so I, and, and I just love the, um, the excitement that it brings to college players to have MLB there, or even, you know, minor league stadiums. I know a lot of teams used to do that where they would kind of travel around and, you know, the off season or in the spring training period and play in minor league towns and stuff. I just, I like the idea of bringing it to places where it normally isn't. And, you know, it's fun to play somewhere in Europe or somewhere in Asia just for the novelty of it. But, you know, if you actually want to like grow fans who are going to be major league baseball fans of major league baseball teams, I think you bring the game to people here in the U.S. who don't normally get to see it because there's nothing like for me, at least seeing a game in person. And I feel this way about all sports, like watching a sport on TV is great if you're already a fan, but if you're not a fan of a sport already, there is nothing to make you fall in love with a sport than to go to a game in person. Like 
when you go to a baseball game for the first time and, and, and you hear the, the crack of the bat and you smell the hot dogs and the French fries and, and the sun is shining and the, the lines are cut in the grass and you can, you know, the smells and the sounds like there's just something about baseball that's so it's magical. You know, when you, when you go and I, I think when you fall in love with a sport, that's what you fall in love with is you fall in love with it in person. So you got to bring it to places where people don't get to fall in love with it. Yeah, like a couple of years ago, the MLB was in Japan to open up the season with like the A's and the Mariners, and like that was uh, cool. Yeah. But was that and they also how, already how much love of an it impact? There. Yeah, how much <laughs> of an impact did that have? Like I've talked about it a bunch. Baseball is so regionalized within America, like that mm-hmm. you need to grow within your own country first and be established. Like the NFL can go wherever because the the NFL again is king in America. And, and, you know, th- they'd be fine expanding like they have their home territory taken care of. Baseball, you need your home territory taken care of. Like there's still so much opportunity domestically that they need to capitalize. Yeah, on before they that's really exactly focus. that's exactly it. If, if you go international, it's fun. Like it would be cool to play a game in some country where they've never seen baseball before. But a you're not creating any real baseball fans because they don't have the opportunity to watch it anyway. And right. you can do some work actually expanding the game here. And, you know, bringing it to places where they don't normally get to enjoy it. I think, you know, maybe you make some baseball fans here. And it used to be America's pastime. I wouldn't say it is anymore. So they've got a lot of work to do to get themselves back. It's not, there's a reason it's not the current, the present or the future. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that was fun. I liked that. That was a good, good exercise. Good activity. Good job, Amanda. Yeah, exactly. Since they're starting off 2022 strong. Ah, thank you very much. Well, it was great to chat with you too. I feel like we haven't talked in weeks, just text messages. <laughs> It'll probably be like multiple weeks again before we talk because there's not going to be anything going on with the lockout. I know. I keep thinking, like I keep kind of scouring every day, like what could we talk about if we record and there's just nothing. <sighs> nothing. But we get to do more fun activities and. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'll try to find that. some other stuff for that. Yeah. Awesome. But. You know, it's funny. I was, I don't know if you listened to last week's episode, but uh, I was like trying to wrap up the show and I couldn't remember how to wrap up the show because <laughs> it had been so long since we had, you know, done it before. So I literally, I, I literally was like, how do I end these? But we end with our one big thing. Do you have any final thoughts before, uh, before you talk again? Um, I think my one big thing is pretty simple this time, which is about tomorrow's meeting with the, you know, the players and the owners, like get something done. It's it, you've got a huge fan base that's starving for baseball. And I actually think it's going to be super fun when they finally get it worked out and we can see a frenzy of signing activity somewhere, probably to what we saw before the lockout, maybe at even a higher level. Um, the Nats probably won't be involved in it very much, but it'll still be fun from just a baseball fan perspective. So they, they've got to get something done and at least make progress because I think right now it's very acrimonious and I hope that both sides can just come with some good faith effort to get this wrapped up because while we're probably going to be delayed, um, you know, it's January, you guys need to get your asses in gear and, and get this season on track. Yeah, that they do. Um, my one big thing is, you know, just a little bit of a self plug here. Uh, I wrote an article saying, you know, talking about the accessibility issues in baseball. Specifically, I was targeting, you know, blackouts to an extent, but just, you know, uh, being able to watch the game and the exposure or the lack thereof that baseball has right now. And I, you know, 
talked about this long proposal about how, you know, the MLB needs to follow the NFL's lead, you know, to bring that up again and do something like red zone or the Manning cast mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I, I wrote it, so I'm not going to go into too much detail. Uh, so you can go on halfstreethighheat.com and read that, but not even two hours later, ESPN announces they're looking to do uh, uh, an A-Rod cast. You know, like the worst possible choice. Nobody likes A-Rod. Right. Like and A-Rod, you know, he was already there at ESPN and he's a former player, like a well-established player. So I'm sure he has connections and maybe it would be fine. Maybe he's better just kind of shooting mm-hmm. the shit with former teammates and colleagues and players than he is with, or he, than he was with Matty V and, and, and Jessica Mendoza and stuff like that. But speaking of which ESPN also redid their Sunday night booth. And um, I can't remember who it was off the top of my head. His name's escaped. I can literally picture his face. <laughs> is it Carl Ravage? I think Carl Ravage is doing it. And I can't remember who, who's doing it. But their, their booth, you know, on paper at least seems much better than it has been. So I'm pretty excited to see the future of Sunday Night Baseball. Granted, the Nats won't get a single Sunday Night game, so it doesn't really matter. No, they um, don't deserve one this year, at least. But all of the my one big thing was just to say, you know, ESPN is watching and, uh, you know, yeah, hit me up. Like, you ideas. don't need to be shy about it. Like, we can don't work something coy. out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. A-Rod does not, it, a show with A-Rod does not interest me in the slightest. I'd say I have more interest in baseball than your average bear. I'm a huge baseball fan, but I don't care for A-Rod and I don't have any interest in in a show like that from him. So I don't know. I just feel like they could have picked a, a less divisive and more popular choice, but that's just me. But it's just like, what's, what's the choice? Who's, I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to think that through. It, I just it's feel just like so could... tough because you don't know baseball personalities because of the lack of baseball exposure. Like we don't know the players at all. We didn't, we've never gotten the chance to know the players. Whereas like everyone's seen Peyton Manning, like host the SBs and do interviews and stuff like, so it was just a very logical and natural insurance like, commercials and right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So like, it just made so much sense, but Peyton Manning wouldn't have even been the only option. Like there's plenty of options, but it, Again, it's because we know the personalities and we've been exposed to them. So it's like we've gotten the most exposure from A-Rod probably. And that's probably the reason I don't care for him because exactly his personality does not. um, I just say it wouldn't be as universally appealing as I think Peyton Manning is. That's my point. Yeah, it's tough because like you need the good personality, but you also need the the brand, the name recognition. Right. And A-Rod does have that at the very least. He definitely does. And like you said, maybe he'll be better doing that than he was in his previous role. Oh, one more thing I should have made my one big thing. I'll make it quick is the Yankees have hired the first ever female um, manager of one of their mm-hmm. minor league affiliates, which is super cool. Her name I is Rachel Balkovich. Yeah. Um, the Tampa tar ponds. And it's super cool. I heard a little interview with her earlier. Um, she is, you know, she seems really excited and eager, obviously to get her first managing opportunity and i saw a cool thing that she learned spanish as soon as she started working in baseball so that she'd be able to communicate better with such the Latin a pro players. move love it yeah super cool i thought it was awesome so anyway i just think that's cool and worth commenting upon congratulations to miss valkovich on her and uh, historic accomplishment yeah congratulations to her and good job to the yankees you know making that that move because i'm sure that's obviously one that you know probably wasn't 
taken lightly not that she doesn't deserve that's not what i'm saying at all but like that's you know a big decision and right uh, it's a big deal they they were the ones to make it so good on them for doing and obviously she's very clearly qualified to do it so it's like yeah she's been there one of their hitting coaches for the last two years yeah yeah so good on her but cool um just some programming notes we're probably just going to stick to one episode a week while the lockout uh, you know goes on uh like hard to find content for two episodes a week right right, like i'd much rather do uh, a good hour-long episode a week than two like meh like 30 to 40 minute episodes a week so we're just going to stick to one episode a week uh and you know we'll see what happens but it's like we can't even get into our divisional breakdowns yet because there's still so many free agents to be signed and so many trades to happen Mm -hmm. that it's like it's almost it's not even worth doing our divisional breakdowns yet like normally you know next week ish maybe beginning in february we would do our division by division breakdowns but we can't even do that yet so we're just going to stick to one episode a week for now and update you as news becomes available and if no news comes available then we do some sort of fun activity or draft or something or other uh but that's just a note in the meantime though we do have your baseball fix so if you are feeling a little uh uh, a little itch that needs to be satisfied for baseball content. Half Street High Heat does have you covered. We're, we have stuff coming out pretty much every single day. Uh, you want to follow us on Twitter at Half Street High Heat and myself at Nationals Ace, Amanda at AY7877. But you definitely want to follow us on Twitter because we're tweeting out all the stuff every day. We literally just did a giveaway as well. So you're, if you follow us, you're literally getting stuff out of it. So, or at mm-hmm. least potentially getting stuff out of it, like actual physical things that you win and everyone likes winning. So not just that, knowledge and happiness, right? Exactly. Podcast, <laughs> and <right>. content. Um, <laughs> but we have articles pretty much coming out every single day. Monty's uh, as always has been doing a great job managing his site. Thank you to all of our writers for finding stories to talk about, uh, you know, during the off season, yeah, during the lockout. Hard uh, for them too. Yeah. But they get to get more, a little bit more creative and uh, they're all taking on the challenge. So I'm pretty excited to see what comes from them, but they have stuff coming out pretty much every single day trey has been absolutely killing it on youtube every friday he has a new video coming out uh like i said once the season rolls around all of our episodes will be on youtube as well um so we're really trying to uh, make youtube a focal point so if you get in early that was what our give giveaway was for was for subscribers on youtube so we will do more giveaways that are youtube related so be sure to already have a, an in on youtube and Ooh, excuse me, got the hiccups now. Uh, have an in on YouTube and be there, you know, on the ground level, so to speak. Uh, but Trey has been absolutely killing it. And what else do we got? Oh, T Public. Got to plug the T Public site. I have a bunch of ideas, but it's just like, again, we're waiting for the lockout to end. I, I feel like nobody's in baseball mode right now, but right. Nobody's going to buy baseball t shirts. Still, there's, yeah, new there's stuff still a ton of great stuff on T Public and sales going on every single month. So you want to check that out as well. Uh, that's pretty much all, all we got. Um, we will be back next week. Don't know what day of the week, whatever day we feel like it. Don't know who's going to be joining us. Whoever it's feels wild. like it. But who knows what, who knows what yeah, could happen? It's <laughs> the wild, wild west out here on Hatchery High Heat. So, but until we talk to you again, we appreciate listening. Hang in there. The lockout will end eventually. Baseball will come back eventually. We promise. It will come back eventually. 
can't guarantee you win, but it will come back. So appreciate listening. And in the meantime, uh, let's go ending the walkout. <laughs> let's go owners and players. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. the early light of dawn well you can see they're running scared cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air tell the library of congress that they might not want to look cause we're putting curly w's in every book let's go Nats. we've got a game to play we're gonna win today let's make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer mail checks invoices documents and everything you need to keep your business running get rates up to 89 percent off usps and ups and with the mobile app you can take care of mailing on the go make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with stamps.com sign up at stamps.com with code program for a special offer that's stamps.com code program Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.